One of the sure signs of spring here at Dispatches HQ is the return of the osprey from their wintering grounds. Now, in case you're unfamiliar, osprey are raptors, birds of prey like hawks or eagles. But osprey are unique because most of their diet, nearly 99%, is fish, which they are well adapted to catching. And where there are osprey, there's frequently bald eagles too, for reasons that I'll tell you about shortly. So let's take to the skies and learn more about two amazing birds of prey, bald eagles and osprey. I'm your host, Tim the Nature Nerd O'Hara, and this is the Dispatches from the Forest podcast. America, apple pie, baseball, and the bald eagle. Since 1782, the bald eagle has been the symbol of America. But would it surprise you to learn that Ben Franklin, founding father and avid kite-flying enthusiast, was not a big fan of the bald eagle? Now, it's a bit of a myth that he advocated for the turkey over the eagle as our national symbol, but it is true that he really didn't care much for the eagle. In letters to his daughter, Ben accused the eagle of having, quote, bad moral character, unquote, and saying he does not get his living honestly. He went on to call the bald eagle a rank coward. Dang, Ben, that seems a little harsh. But let's take a look at the bald eagle and see why Ben felt that way. Bald eagles are a species of sea eagle, and no doubt you know what an adult bald eagle looks like. They have yellow eyes, a yellow hooked beak, and yellow featherless legs and feet. Their toes are short, and they end in sharp, curved talons in a raptorial configuration, three facing forward, and a longer talon called the hallux facing backward. Bald eagles have a distinctive white head and tail, and the rest of the body and wings are a uniform dark brown. Now, they're not actually bald, of course, and contrary to what most people think, the name bald eagle is not because their white heads make them look bald, which, if you ask me, it doesn't. The name is because of the word piebald, which is defined as having spots or patches of white and another color, usually black or brown. The term piebald can be applied to dogs, horses, cows, and some deer that suffer from a genetic condition. When applied to humans, it's generally used to mean white-headed, referring to someone with white hair. Now, Ben Franklin was follically challenged, so you might think maybe he was jealous because he wasn't piebald, he was just bald-bald. But that's not it. We're going to have to dig a little deeper. Immature bald eagles don't look like adults. Bald eagles don't grow their white head and tail feathers until they reach sexual maturity, about the age of five. While close to the same size as adults, bald eagles under the age of five are dark brown overlaid with messy white streaking. They're often mistaken for hawks. In terms of plumage, males and females look the same, but females tend to be about 25% larger than males. Body size ranges from two and a half to three and a half feet, and wingspans can range from six to seven and a half feet. The average weight of females is 12 pounds versus nine pounds for the males. Bald eagles also conform to what's called the Bergman Rule, something I've mentioned before. They're larger in the northern part of their range, getting smaller as you move towards the equator. Bald eagles that live in Alaska are the largest. Females can weigh 15 pounds. 
This large wingspan makes them powerful flyers. They can soar on thermal convection currents and reach speeds of 35 to 45 miles an hour when gliding and flapping. When diving, they can hit speeds of nearly 100 miles an hour, though bald eagles don't normally dive vertically the way, say, a peregrine falcon might. The natural range of the bald eagle covers most of North America, including most of Canada, all of the continental United States, and down south into northern Mexico. During the breeding season, they can be found in virtually any kind of wetland habitat like seacoasts, rivers, large lakes, marshes, or other bodies of open water with an abundance of fish, since fish makes up over half of their diet. Bald eagles generally require old growth and mature stands of trees for perching, roosting, and nesting. The specific species of tree is less important than the tree's height, composition, and location. What seems to be most important is an abundance of relatively large trees close to a body of water. Trees need to be over 65 feet tall, have an open structure, good visibility, and be close to a source of food. Bald eagles need large trees because they're large birds, and large birds make large nests. Bald eagles build their nests out of sticks and will reuse nests, especially if they're successful at raising their young there, adding to it year after year. The largest recorded nest was found in Florida in 1963. It measured in at nearly 10 feet wide and 20 feet deep. Another famous nest in Vermilion, Ohio, was shaped like a wine glass and weighed over 4,000 pounds. It was used for 34 years until the tree blew down. Bald eagles generally mate for life, but if one member of the pair dies or disappears, the survivor will choose a new mate. Also, a pair that has repeatedly failed to successfully breed may split up and look for new mates. Average lifespan of a bald eagle in the wild is about 20 years. The oldest recorded bird in the wild was at least 38 years old when it was hit and killed by a car in New York in 2015. It had been banded in the same state in 1977. Since a large percentage of the bald eagle's diet is fish, it makes them partially migratory, depending on their location. If they have access to open water, they'll stick around. But if the water freezes during the winter, making it impossible for them to catch fish, they migrate south or to the coast. Bald eagles pick migration routes that take advantage of thermals, updrafts, and opportunities to catch something to eat. During migration, they'll ascend on a thermal and then glide down, or they might use updrafts created by the wind against a cliff or other terrain to ascend. Usually, migration happens during the daytime, when thermals are produced by the sun. And, contrary to what TV and movies would have you think, if you see a soaring bald eagle, you're not going to hear this... Because that, as I've mentioned in previous episodes, is the majestic cry of the red-tailed hawk. But it's more majestic sounding than the sounds bald eagles make, which are more like a series of short squeaks, like this. Now, like I've mentioned, the primary food source for bald eagles is fish, about 56%. Surprisingly, the next largest percentage of the bald eagle's diet, around 28%, is birds, followed by mammals at 14%. The remaining 2% is simply classified as other stuff, so snakes, reptiles, amphibians, things like that. There's over 400 species in the bald eagle's prey spectrum, second most of any bird of prey behind the red-tailed hawk. 
Bald eagles are also not too proud to scavenge and can gather in large numbers at dumps and landfills. But it wasn't scavenging that upset old Ben, but rather the bald eagle's propensity for thievery. Bald eagles are well known for stealing, particularly fish from other animals. In his letters to his daughter, Ben wrote, You may have seen him perched on some dead tree near the river, where, too lazy to fish for himself, he watches the labor of the fishing hawk. And when that diligent bird has at length taken a fish and is bearing it to his nest for the support of his mate and young ones, the bald eagle pursues him and takes it from him. The fishing hawk Ben is referring to is the osprey, which I'm going to tell you about next. Osprey are incredibly skilled at catching fish, and it's not unusual for bald eagle to wait until an osprey has made a catch, then swoop in and harass the osprey until it drops its prize, and then snatch it up and make its getaway. Fortunately for Ben, he never lost a prize fish to a bald eagle. They're known to steal from fishing humans, too. Now, as for being a rank coward, Ben wrote, The little kingbird, not bigger than a sparrow, attacks him boldly and drives him out of the district. Here, Ben is referring to what's called mobbing, when a group of smaller birds, a lot of times blue jays or crows, gang up to harass a larger bird until it leaves. Now, in the eagle's defense, they're not the only birds subjected to this type of harassment. Raptors like owls and hawks are often on the receiving end of it too, and I've even seen crows, which are often the harassers, being pestered by smaller birds. Seems to me the bald eagle can't win with old Ben. If it works smarter, not harder, showing strength and taking what it wants from the osprey, it's lazy and of bad moral character. If it flies away from a fight with a much smaller bird, it's a coward. Now, luckily, the bald eagle doesn't really care about Ben Franklin's opinion. Now, at one point, we nearly lost our national symbol. About the time Ben Franklin was writing negative Yelp reviews about the bald eagle, their population was estimated to be between 300,000 and 500,000. But several factors nearly drove them to extinction. The most well-known of these factors was, of course, DDT usage, which is not lethal to adult birds, but interferes with calcium metabolism, rendering the birds sterile or the eggshells too thin and brittle to withstand the weight of a brooding adult. Habitat loss and both legal and illegal shooting of birds also contributed to their decline. Many hunters killed bald eagles under the long-held belief that they would prey on young lambs and even children. For the record, lamb predation by bald eagles is rare, and human predation is thought to be non-existent. Nonetheless, between 1918 and 1930, it's estimated that 70,000 bald eagles were shot in Alaska alone. By 1950, there were only 412 nesting pairs remaining in the contiguous United States. Even as late as 1978, illegal shooting continued to be the leading cause of death of bald eagles. Now, fortunately, they've thrived in the absence of DDT and under the protection of the Endangered Species Act. Now the leading causes of death are vehicle and power line collisions and lead poisoning, usually from scavenging carcasses of animals shot by hunters using lead bullets. Okay, so now let's talk about Ben Franklin's fishing hawk, the osprey, also sometimes called a river hawk or a sea hawk, reflecting, like I mentioned in the opening, that 99% of their diet is fish. They're the pescatarians of the bird world. Osprey are smaller than eagles, but have a longer wingspan than similar-sized hawks. 
They average just over four and a half pounds with a body that's about two feet long and a four to six foot wingspan. Their upper parts are a deep glossy brown, the breast is white, sometimes streaked with brown, and the underparts are pure white. Their head is white with a dark mask across the eyes that reaches to the sides of the neck. You know, technically, osprey can also be described as piebald. They have white feet with black talons. Males and females look fairly similar, but adult males have a slimmer body and narrower wings than the females. There's also some slight differences in plumage, but according to what I read, while it's easy to tell the difference when they're right next to each other like a breeding pair, it can be harder to tell with individual birds. Osprey are widely distributed around the world. They can be found everywhere except Antarctica and Australia. They are, in fact, the second most widely distributed raptor in the world, behind the peregrine falcon. In North America, osprey breed from Newfoundland and Alaska in the north to the Gulf Coast and Florida in the south. Since they eat fish nearly exclusively, osprey migrate south in the winter from places where the water freezes. An osprey can fly more than 160,000 migration miles during its lifetime. Scientists have tracked osprey by attaching lightweight satellite transmitters to their backs. These devices can pinpoint the bird's location to within a few hundred yards and will last for two to three years. In 2008, one osprey flew 2,700 miles from Martha's Vineyard, Massachusetts to French Guiana, South America in just 13 days. Now, not too surprisingly, given their diet, osprey breed near freshwater lakes and rivers and sometimes coastal brackish waters. The nest is a large heap of sticks, driftwood, turf, or seaweed built in the fork of a tree, rocky outcrops, utility poles, or artificial platforms. Like bald eagles, many nests are reused each season, and some are known to have been used for 70 years. Nests can be up to 8 feet wide and weigh nearly 300 pounds. Large nests built on utility poles can be a fire hazard and have actually caused power outages. Under normal conditions, osprey reach sexual maturity and begin breeding about the age of three or four. But in regions with high population densities, like Chesapeake Bay here in Virginia, they might delay breeding until five or seven years old because of a lack of suitable nesting sites. To help this problem and to keep them off utility poles, sometimes posts with nesting platforms on top are erected. Again, like eagles, osprey usually mate for life. In the spring, the pair get together and start a five-month partnership to raise their young. The female lays two to four eggs and relies on the size of the nest to conserve heat. It takes about six weeks for them to hatch, and the young fledge in another eight to ten weeks. Average lifespan for an osprey is eight to ten years, but the oldest known osprey died at the age of 32. But let's get back to the fishing prowess of the osprey. Osprey have several adaptations that allow them to be very successful at catching their underwater quarry. Like all raptors, they have excellent eyesight, and the osprey's vision is adapted to detecting underwater objects from the air. Prey is usually sighted from 30 to 130 feet above the water. Once it spots a fish, the bird will hover for a second, then plunge feet first into the water, often completely submerging. As it dives, it adjusts the angle to account for the distortion of the fish's image caused by refraction. 
Closable nostrils keep water out of the nose, and dense, oily plumage keep the feathers from getting waterlogged when they're diving. But it takes more than just seeing the fish. If you've ever held on to a slippery fish, you know that hanging on to one can be a real challenge. The feet of the osprey are also adapted to be able to maintain that grip. The outer toe of the osprey is reversible, which lets them grasp their prey with two talons on each side. The only other raptors with reversible toes are owls. In addition, osprey have backward-facing scales on their talons, which act like barbs to help their grip, and sharp spines called spicules on the underside of their toes. All this adds up to a remarkable success rate when catching fish. Studies have shown that osprey make a catch on average about one in every four attempts, sometimes nearly three out of four, and the average time spent hunting before making a catch was about 12 minutes. As a fisherman myself, I would love to be so lucky when I throw a line in the water. I guess what I'm trying to say here is, don't feel too bad if an eagle steals the osprey's dinner. There's a good chance that in less than 15 minutes, the osprey will have another meal. Prey size typically ranges between 10 and 14 inches and can weigh up to four and a half pounds. Again, I should have such luck when I go fishing. Osprey usually eat on a nearby perch, but have been known to carry fish for longer distances. Final fun fact, when flying with their catch, osprey always line the fish up head first to reduce wind resistance. And on that note, we come to the end of this episode. Thanks for listening. Please leave a like, leave a comment, and subscribe to the podcast. Doing that is free, and it potentially could help me out a lot. If you like what I'm doing and you want to support future episodes, there are several ways you can do that. First of all, you can get yourself some Dispatches from the Forest merchandise. Check out our merch store at cafepress.com forward slash dispatches from the forest. There's a lot of stuff there, stickers, water bottles, t-shirts, and a whole lot more. Maybe you'll consider becoming a patron. You can do that by going to patreon.com forward slash dispatches from the forest. If you'd like to make a one-time donation, you can do that through PayPal. Dispatches from the forest at gmail.com is both my PayPal address and where you can email me if you have any questions, comments, or suggestions for future episodes. For additional content, follow Dispatches from the Forest on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. And keep an eye out, I'm hoping to launch the Dispatches from the Forest YouTube channel very, very soon. I'm your host, Tim the Nature Nerd O'Hara, reminding you to go outside and get dirty. The Dispatches from the Forest podcast is a production of Dispatches from the Forest and may not be used or rebroadcast whole or in part without express written permission.